0: Hi, guys, it's Andy McDonald, physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach, and welcome to another episode of the Informed Performance Podcast. On today's episode, I catch up with fellow British physio living in America, Dr. Andy Barr. Andy has worked at Man City Football Club and the New York Knicks to name a few, but he's currently based in Los Angeles where he has set up Quantum Performance, a company helping high level athletes return to elite level competition. Please show your support for our ongoing efforts to bring you conversations with industry thought leaders and experts and subscribe to our podcast on your preferred player. But without further ado, here is the conversation between myself and Dr. Andy Barr. Hi, Andy. It's, uh, it's great to catch up with you and have you on the podcast. Thanks for, uh, for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Since we met uh, just over a year ago, I think it must be, you've uh, started a company, Quantum Performance, over in LA. Um, Just in case the listeners are first hearing you now, can you kind of tell us about what you do and, I guess, give us a little bit of information about your background and your your kind of journey up until this present
1: day? Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm a physical therapist and strength coach, um, also interested in sports science. Uh, my current company uh, in L.A. is um, a physical therapy consultancy company. Um, we, I work with elite athletes and uh, teams um, providing uh, rehab services and um, educational services. And uh, I've been doing that for about four years out in L.A., uh, actually rebranded um, about a year ago to Quantum Performance, it used to be called Innovate Performance when I first came out here. Um, But, yes, I started my career as a professional football player or soccer player to the U.S. audience Um, and then didn't quite make the grade due to injury. So I was um, inspired by my experience um, with the physio I worked with to then go in and uh, take a physio course. So I went to to school in Manchester, Salford University, and did the PFA physio course, and I was fortunate to come out of that and get a job straight away with um, Bolton Wanderers in the Premier League. And um, I enjoyed six or seven great years there working under Sam Allardyce. And I was very fortunate that that, that team is really forward-thinking in the um, the sports science and medical um, departments. And, and I learned I had a really good foundation um, from, from that experience uh, in those areas. And I was really um fortunate to to be able to work and and, um visit some of the best practitioners in the world I did my master's in sports science at that time and my role was really always uh to to try and help the performance and coaching department although I was a physio it was more of a proactive role where I would look at biomechanics and movement and all injury risk factors and that was really you know the, the, the premise of the team at the time which was ahead of its game it was how can we do try and do things to, to prevent injury and uh, keep or reduce injury risk and I learned so much and then from there I went and worked with a couple of other teams in the Premier League Southampton finished up with Manchester City I had similar roles uh, again where I was like integrating with uh, medical and performance departments and coaches and just trying to link things together uh, to try and help the players stay healthy. Um, and I uh, I met uh, an American girl on my travels and we ended up getting married and she wanted to move back to the States. So one summer while I was um, networking around the US, I, uh, which is a similar story to you, <laughs> I uh, was able to um, visit the Knicks and while I was there, they are interested in my skill set. So... They asked me if I'd be interested in working for them. And um, I, I jumped out of the chance, obviously, with uh, my wife wanting to come back to the US. And it was super close to where she was from. So um, I actually did two pre-seasons. I did a pre-season with Man City. And um, about three months later or two months later, I did a pre-season with the Knicks. And then uh, I was in the NBA, which was a rude awakening. I did that for seven years. Or six years <laughs> and actually went back into into soccer, um, work with New York City FC. Before I decided, uh, I wanted to go out on my own and do more consultancy and education, and work independently with athletes and and teams. Um, just have a bit more freedom um, to work on some of the projects, my courses, and my um, technology that I'm developing right now. Um, so, so yeah, and that brings me up to where I'm where I am now.
0: And how did you find the uh, the transition from you know having spent quite a few years in the in the EPL over in the UK? How did you find the transition into the NBA and changing uh, changing sports completely?
1: It was, I mean, uh, the I get that ask that question quite a lot, and it was a so certain, certain things were quite a easy transition, others was like a complete shock. I mean. Obviously the differences with the game um you know trying to learn the game the culture from the NBA was something that it took me um, oh, two or three years before I really understood the game and the culture of the NBA um, the immediate differences were, which was a shock to the system was the amount of games that the NBA played through the week versus what what I was used to in in football um the, the frequency of those games and then obviously the travel and and the, the distances that we were traveling and and then having to play and just the players just get on, get on with it even if they've got in at like two or three in the morning. Um, then the next day they're playing a game potentially if it's a back-to-back or they're traveling to a different city. I counted once, I remember in a week we'd been in, seven different cities, I think in a week, like it was only a city a day, it was absolutely crazy. Um, But yeah, just like the travel, that was a big shock. Um, And then it was really cool just to work with the, the athletes and the NBA just purely because of the size of them and how well they can um, perform actions and move. Um, And the durability of them is is phenomenal, really based off of the the travel schedule. Um, And (laughs) The lack of recovery time that they were having, so it was, you know, that was they were the, the biggest things. Um, but then, like I said, there was definitely some similarities. It's you know, team sports. The the players, um, there's there's some commonalities and the characteristics of what what goes on in in the team sport, especially in basketball and and football, in terms of how they have to always you know communicate from a team level, and then they're making decisions before they execute the the skills and actions are similar in, in, in football as it is in in basketball uh, they're not just like performing a closed skill like you would do in golf or in athletics where they're just an individual trying to perform that skill it's there's, there's so much variety and it's in the rotational plane so that, you know they're constantly twisting turning cutting and performing actions that are you know very rotational so my um you know my uh, action training or movement training or things that I used to look at. I, I was able to transfer some of that stuff, but um, you know the, what? What I found interesting was that I was really successful in in soccer, and there was lots of things that I thought were um, the reason for for me to be successful. But it wasn't until I really got into NBA and reflected as to why why was I successful that I realised, and a lot of it was just because I played soccer played football sorry and understood the culture the language the communication of how to to build the, the trust and and it was much easier for me to do that in in that environment because I played so I was like it was like just that was taken for granted and that was probably one of the reasons why I actually got the job um in football straight out of, out of university is because I had played and that's what they wanted to so really knew the culture so going into the NBA it was like okay this is a little bit harder because I don't know the culture. I don't know how to communicate. Um, you know, I don't know the language of basketball. I've got to learn these things, which are all highly effective in terms of messaging and communication and being able to, you know, get my point across. So that was like the thing that when I look back, I was like, yeah, that's, that's really where um, the money is. If you can master that, then you can be a lot more successful. You can be a great practitioner, but if you can't get into the culture, understand the environment and, and the people that you're working with, then, you know, it's a lot harder to actually have an impact.
0: Yeah, I guess it, it kind of highlights why sometimes uh, working with multi-sport athletes can be quite useful. I guess further down the line, because if you do make such big transitions,
1: you can you can transfer your skills maybe a little bit easier at times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think adjustability and having that exposure to to that is key. Um, I think in any situation, being able to you know assess the the situation, adjust to it. Um, understanding um, that every environment you're going into, there's always going to be those or or every sport has its own nuances or differences. And I think really knowing the sport and starting from the sports reference and what the characteristics of the sport is always the key to ensure that, you know, you're ticking the right boxes rather than starting from the bottom up and looking at, well, what are the the numbers? What are the the movements? What are the the basic terms, but the basic, you know, um, small byproducts or small characteristics if you start with them then you you may miss or may have the wrong objective of what you're trying to reach but if you start with the game then the objective is there and i know what that game is then it's a it's a lot easier to be or it's a lot more effective and accurate in terms of of your programming and and where you want to go with the athletes that you're working with yeah
0: and one of the big topics i want to talk to you about mate is um you know, you work in quite a unique style now where you're, from, from following you on social media, I can see that you're flying out to athletes quite often or you've got athletes coming in to see you in kind of like this uh, sort of concierge style. And, you know, you've obviously gone from working full-time in teams to go in your own route. Was, was it a conscious decision to provide your services in the way that you do now? Or was it kind of just evolved uh, over time from being freelance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I had a a dream of being freelance at some stage. I always wanted to you know, work with teams. I love sport, and I, I still like working with teams too, uh, but I, I just had the, the dream of um, you know, having more autonomy and control over my schedule at some stage and also having the ability to work with multiple different athletes on multiple teams. Um, I took a risk, if I'm honest. I, I didn't know that I would be able to... Um, get the traction that I did, but I mean, you've got to—you know—that's what it's about. If you want to um, grow, you've got to take risks. And um, I had some clients I was working with when I um, left New York City FC. I managed to pick up a couple, but the what I did was I was like, "Well, where do all the best athletes go? Where is the mecca for um, sports performance and training?" And you know, wh- where can I? ensure that i can you know get clientele and that was la so that's why i left new york and moved to la um hoping that my network and um the other athletes and people that i, I know out there will uh, want to work with me and i just gradually built things up and there was months where it was very quiet and i didn't really work with anybody and then other months it's absolutely slammed so you know it's up and down it fluctuates but you know over the last four years um, just built things up and I've been blessed with the clients that I've been able to work with and um, just really enjoy um, the fact that I've, I've been able to work with great players and, and great people as well. Yeah.
0: And what I'd love to know is um, it's kind of how you provide your performance services and care to athletes. Could you describe or you know paint a picture for what the process is for an athlete coming to see you, maybe what you do with them and I guess just understand the style in which you work and unpack that a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, I mean my the way that I get connected with these athletes is from various sources, it's sometimes a referral from another athlete, word of mouth is usually how that happens. Um, I have relationships with agents um, that have seen the work that I do with other athletes or um other clients that they have and that's another referral method then teams, just the the relationships i have with um performance directors or coaches at teams um any players passing through la they provide a recommendation um so i I always like to work in collaboration with the team i think you know ultimately the team has their program um they know the player best and the they're always um, the ones that are going to be working with the player through the season. so you've got to, you've got to be a, an adjunct to the team. That's how I kind of like view myself with the the teams that I work with. I'm an external I'm a, like an adjunct and somebody on the periphery that can help them when um, they are players out in LA. So I, I, I speak to the team about their philosophy. I understand um, I try to learn their methodology. And then just sprinkling some of my stuff. I think you know, starting from what the sport is is always my individual approach. I'll, I'll look at what is, what does the sport entail, um, and then it depends on what what the, the situation is with the athlete, what the the injury is. But it's understanding the demands of the game. Where do we need to get them to? What can I do in the environment that I'm at, that I have that allows me to to get them to that place before you know we need to start bringing in other people to to help with, um, you know, much more, more uh, sports action related stuff. Um, and then I'll break it down from there. So it's like, once you understand the dynamics of the game, um, that's how I break down my exercises. So what are the actions that they do, um, that relate to the sports action? So for instance, a basketball player, what are the, the key actions that he'll do when he's playing, um, so for re- recently, I've been doing a, a rehab with a player, and I broke down his game. I understood that you know there's certain um, actions like a, a, a step back in a certain direction, or a fade away, or a jab step, or something like basketball moves that he does frequently. So, I was like, well, these are the key things that we need to hit, other than just the standard stuff like a closeout or a layup. So, what are the the ways that we need to first of all? Um, provide the, the re-education to the movements within the joints again. So what are the muscles that control the joints from a local perspective and then from um, a more global perspective? And then what are the patterns of movement that we need to develop to ensure that they can perform those basic actions in preparation for the sports actions? And that's really how I um, plan it out. So I'll work from the top down to start with, and then I'll work my way back up from the bottom up. But I'll understand what where I need, where I need to get to based off of what the demands of that player is in his position and what are the, the actions that they do frequently. Understanding that what I do is usually more of a basic action because they need to actually be interacting with other players um, to, to perform the sport-specific action because a true sports action like a layup or a jump shot or whatever a player might do in, the, in a basketball court, it's only a, it's only a basketball action if they're playing the game. So outside of the game, it then becomes a basic action. So that's kind of my philosophy. I'll break it down into more basic actions. And there's many various different types of those actions, which then you can then break down into what are the movements that occur within those actions that the player needs to have optimal control of durability, mobility. And then I'll look at, well, what, what makes a quality action? Um, and generally every action in a chronological uh chronological time space continuum always has four characteristics of the position that they're in on the court or on the field or on the pitch, um, from a horizontal perspective, but then also from a vertical perspective, like the body position, can they get into position or are they in the correct position from a tactical position, a tactical perspective, um, the, the moment of the action. So have they got, um, the correct timing of that action, um, so that again, in the, in the horizontal, but in the vertical, c- does the body react quickly to the, the, um, the situation? Um, and then the direction of that action, um, can they control the body in the optimal direction um, or are they moving in the optimal or correct direction to, to perform a quality action? And then the last one is the speed of the action. Um, can, are they executing that action in the at the right speed optimal speed quick enough um so from a you know again horizontal position but then also a vertical can they um provide the or produce the muscle contractions necessary to to produce speed and um they're my like four pillars of things that i'll look at which i can which i've been able to block out or um filter through my general knowledge of sports science sports um, performance, strength, condition, and physical therapy. And I use those four characteristics to apply my, um, rehab philosophy and things like mobility, flexibility. I I put that in the the position box and then, um, you know, rip balance, proprioception, reactive, um, strength, um, and reactive training that goes in the moment box. And then, um, General body strength, isometric, eccentric, concentric, um, coordination, technique and alignment control that goes in the the direction box and then reactive strength, plyometrics, power that goes in the the speed box. So every action um, has has those four components and that's really how I break down my rehab from the bottom up um, with the goal of them being able to perform the sport-specific actions um, when they return.
0: It sounds like you really break it down and then sort of then go back and really build it back up then in quite a logical um, sort of performance ordering um, from the sounds of it. Do you? How early do you get the athletes? Are you ever getting them post-op or kind of very acutely into their injury occurrence? Or do you tend to get them um, sort of midway through the rehab program?
1: Uh, both, yeah. Sometimes a player will come out um, literally just after surgery. May only have them for a week or two weeks or whatever and then they go um, back to the team. Um, sometimes they're out for months. Uh, sometimes they've been rehabbing for two months and they just come to work with me for a couple of weeks just to have a break. Um, so it really varies. Like The nice thing about LA is it's a, it's a destination that players or athletes want to come to to rehab. So... Because of that, you know, I get players that come and go um, and some stay for, for longer periods. So it's, it's, a, it's a big variety, really.
0: Obviously, you know, you work with athletes uh, quite intensely over a short time frame, by the sounds of it. Um, obviously, injuries kind of belong to their owners and they're case specific. But do you think you can accelerate the rehab uh, in the way that you practice, having them as a focused client?
1: I think what I provide is or I try to provide is a similar um, a, a, a similar environment to what they would get when they are with a team. So when you say accelerate, I don't think you can accelerate an injury, but you can provide an optimal environment for it to recover. I think every injury needs time, the the right physiological time um, and the right psychological time to adapt um, to to the game again. Um, depending on the time out. And I think I'm lucky that I can work with athletes for hours, um, which they would get when they're at a team. So I give them a similar environment to what they get when they're at a team, and that's what I try to. Uh, And because of that, I can um, give them the, the usual attention and maintain their ability to have that optimal environment as opposed to um, somebody that just goes to a clinic like once a week for an hour PT session or a couple of times a week. I'm working with my guys for like three or four hours when they come in, so they're getting, you know, a, a good amount of of work that they would get when they're with a team.
0: Do you find that them being able to get out of their team environment, you know, and this is this is not at all reflective on the ability of their practitioners that are around them, but do you find being able to get them out of their a uh, routine setup is quite a, a useful feature of their rehab when they come to see you in a new environment, new place, good weather out in California. Does that all kind of uh, assist you think in the process?
1: Oh, a million percent. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it can be a grind when you're injured. It's, it's tough, you know, I mean, you've got to um, really, you know, be disciplined and and the the thing that you love doing as an athlete has been taken away. So a lot of athletes get depressed during uh, rehabilitation. So having the, the ability to, you know, have a change of scenery, um, get in an environment where you've got good weather, um, and, you, you know, you can mix your routine up a little bit, that helps with the psychological aspect of the recovery. And ultimately, that's the most important side of the recovery, like having a fresh and healthy mind um, psychologically reflects how you are physiologically. We know from, you know, how pain uh, mechanisms operate, the psychological component is a, is a huge factor to, to your experience of pain. So if, um, if you can um, aid an athlete by uh, ensuring that they are um, a lot fresher and having, um, you know, a, a, an outlet, from the, the 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 mundane grind of the rehab with a team, then you know you're doing them a you know a, a huge favor and, and helping with their recovery process. So yeah, I think that that's definitely um, a, a factor that benefits me when players are coming out here and benefits them is that they like they're getting that that breakaway and then when they go back to the team, it's like they've been recharged, they're refreshed, and they're ready to kick on to the you know the next phase of their rehab.
0: Yeah. And I guess, you know, every practitioner has a different style. So if you, if you receive care from a a small pool of individuals, most of the year, just mixing up with a different style, a different um, explanation of what you're doing and reasoning again, is probably quite refreshing for the athletes as well, as long as it doesn't
1: mix up too much what their belief system is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you never, you don't want to go, you should never go from one extreme to the other. And like I said earlier on, you, I want to collaborate with the team and they have a a program or a system already. So it's just keeping, you know, things ticking over with that, maybe just having a different voice, a different way of uh, communicating it and then sprinkling in a few new things here and there. And then, you know, the team appreciate it too, the practitioners, because they're always interested to see whether there's anything that they could also be working on when the player comes back or, you know, if there's anything that I saw as a fresh pair of eyes. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely useful, like – having a, a couple of different people working with with the athlete during that recovery process i mean you, you know that's yeah. where you should always work anyway it's it's about it's a team approach you, you, you can never work in isolation and be successful
0: and i think a lot of practitioners within the sporting world a aspire to work in a pro or elite organization if they don't already and b they're maybe looking further ahead quite a lot of the time to owning their own time and providing consultancy or or having a business of their own whether that's a facility or not obviously when you work in a pro organization the teams tend to want a pound of flesh in return demanding a lot of your time it's it's not a question i've been able to ask that many people but on reflection as someone who's done or who's functioned in both worlds what are the kind of pros and cons of both environments or or sort of cases as you've experienced and seen
1: it yeah um, that's a great question i think there's there's always pros and cons to every situation and that's what you know people always ask me it must be great doing your own business and now you got the freedom and all this and i'm like yeah it's like, there's lots of great things about it but then there's also you know these things that you got to think about too if you are looking at doing that um, i think working with a team you know you, you probably there's more um, there's more certainty to some extent although you know a lot of teams are volatile with um um you know the the staff and if the team is successful often there's there's changes of staff but you know in general usually you have a contract and um you have some security um but then like you say that you, you're really you, you're committed to the team schedule you're working every holiday um so it's tough you know you miss your kids birthdays and um you know, the Christmases and certain vacations and stuff, you you know, you're only allowed, you, you're only able to go during the, the time off that the players or the team has. So you're limited from that perspective. Um, but it's nice to be able to have the resources, like you, the resources are unlimited. You know, you've got all the equipment that you need, a drop of a hat, you're not looking for a core or a pitch, or a you know, everything is there. So, you know, things are are easy from that perspective and um that's definitely a, a, a pro working with a team and then you know so obviously working on your own um or setting up your own business that comes a risk because you don't know when your next client's coming in you know there's there's uncertainty and if you can't deal with uncertainty then um you know it's it can be very stressful but um if you can cope with that and then just trust the process and your skill set, then, you know, you're, you're going to get clients and um, and there's no ceiling. There's no ceiling on, on how much you can earn um, because, you know, you can build your own business and that's, you know, the great thing about having your own business. You can just build it and then there's many different facets. You can go in different directions. You're in complete control. If you want to take a day off, you can take a day off. Um, if, you know, if you want to spend the time with your family, you can do that. You can pick and choose the work that you do without the risk of, you know, there's, it's nothing guaranteed, but, um, you can also look at that with you being employed too. So, um, I, th- I think it's, you know, I, I was ready. Um, I was ready to, um, make that jump. And, um, you know, there's definitely been times where I, um, didn't know, like I said before, what was around the corner, but, um, you know, I, I think if you can deal with that and, um, you wanna, you know, step outside your comfort zone and, and build something, then, you know, having your own business is definitely something to um to look at doing at some stage in your career. Um, I'm I'm really happy that I decided to do that and I've been able to uh, be uh, running for like oh, just coming up four years now. It's crazy that time's flown and it's actually come up four years this summer that I've been in LA doing this. Um but yeah I do miss being in the team environment too. Like there's definitely days where I'm like, oh, I need to get a field and I need to do this or like I wish I had this piece of equipment and like I'm like trying to call in contacts or figure things out and um, like when you're at a team, like you don't need to worry about that or like trying to find another professional that you really trust that you work with or understands that player and, you know, working and integrating together. Like I was so used to having, um, like working with so many different people that you know, when you come out on your own, you you do have people that you can lean on, but it's not still not quite the same as when you're working with within a team environment. But you know, like I said before, I try and make it as close to that as possible because that's you know what I know works, what I'm experiencing doing.
0: And without uh, a mystic ball at your disposal, what you know, what does what does your kind of future direction? Look like at the moment, or you know, what are you, is there anything that you're planning that you're able to share with us, or that people should look out for?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm um, I, I'm enjoying doing the consultancy work that I've been doing with the Nets. I've uh, been traveling actually to New York pretty frequently over the last six months. Um, I had a, a, a consultancy um, role there. I'm probably going to be doing that um, uh, going forward. Still, continue doing that. Um i am gonna be launching my online course that goes through some of the um uh, well it goes through the philosophy, some of the stuff that I mentioned earlier on, give an insight to that, and then I'm gonna also launch launch a mentorship around my approach um to you know the, the sports specific football and basketball action concepts and um working with elite athletes. Um, So I'll be launching that. And then uh, I also have a technology project that I'm working on, which um, is uh, a combination of sensors and cameras that I utilize to assess actions and then um, create programs for for athletes, which is what I've been doing for um, years, but I've never had the technology that's been able to um, actually identify the things that I look for. So I've, I've created this system that is allowing me to do that now and automate that so I can um, pretty much get an athlete a report or a program, um, you know, within minutes as opposed to weeks, whereas before it would take me hours to do the assessments and um, weeks to do the analysis and then weeks to do the programming. What I've been able to create uh, allows me to do that in minutes now, so I'm, I'm excited to launch that in the next six months too. So uh, that sounds that sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it should be pretty cool.
0: You know, where's the best place pe- for people to kind of follow your actions? I'm guessing when that technology is available and the courses, um, you'll you'll be promoting them through your kind of social channels. But where's the best place for people to find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, my Instagram is Andy Bar um, and then um, same as my Twitter. I'll be probably starting to. Um, post more stuff um, in the coming weeks now I've got a bit more time I'm going to focus on on that and got, start to give people a little bit more insight into um, some of these areas that I just mentioned um, so that's probably the, the best place for people to interact with me um, right now also on LinkedIn um, but yeah I think like I'm really going to ramp up my Instagram and Twitter efforts just try and get my messaging out there a bit more and um, start sharing some more of the content and information and experience that I've gained over the years, so other people so can start helping some other um, practitioners that are interested in to get into sport. And um, I feel like I've got a lot of knowledge that I want to give back and share so, share with the up and coming practitioners, um, so they can have similar experience or get understand how to um you know take these opportunities and get the opportunity to work within a professional environment
0: do you kind of uh provide much education to the teams themselves
1: yeah and your philosophy only what i've i mean i like the course that i'm going to launch online I've, I've i've only done it physically um and it's generally been to people that work for teams so i i did a european tour a year ago where i went to norway turkey and um england and i was teaching practitioners that medical and performance staff of different teams this philosophy um and then i've been opening that up to part of some of the consultancy stuff that i do with the nets um so yeah i mean it's been mainly for teams and team practitioners but I'm um, that's why i want to try and um create an online course so I can give that level of access to the, the younger generation coming through so they can understand um, or have a more of an advantage when they're looking to get a job with a team. Um, so they have like greater insight. So that's, that's really what my goal is there. So I'm going to, um, you know, try and create that uh, insight with the, the online course and also the mentorship program that I'm going to create in the next few months
0: all sounds very exciting mate there's a lot of um interesting projects for people to look out for there um and you know we'll definitely promote them as and when they're they're online and are shareable so um yeah we'll definitely be uh we'll definitely be plugging those for you um andy thanks so much for coming on mate it's it's great to speak to a fellow andy in america and um <laughs> thanks yeah, okay. for your time and coming on today
1: oh my pleasure no it's been fun yeah i hope uh was insightful. And um, yeah, like I say, if anyone wants to um, connect further or learn more, just reach out to me on my social platforms, Andy Bar PT.
0: Cool. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much for coming on.
1: Thanks, Tony. Take care, mate.
0: I'd like to thank Dr. Andy Barr for coming on today's show and sharing his perspectives, but also the honesty around his professional journey and the big moves or the risks that he's had to take along the way. Next episode, I'll be speaking to Dr. Mita Singh, a world-renowned sleep expert for a conversation I think everybody can relate to and learn something from. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Informed Performance podcast.